But children, I want to, I you know, just I want you guys to use your imagination to think about these things because they're really, really powerful and they're very important. And it's just, you know, it's part of, I was saying last night, it's, it's part of what unites our faith together, faith together and it's that people in the world, a lot of times they don't have a problem with Jesus being a man who was very, very nice and who maybe even did some miracles and who was, you know, on earth and, 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 and even died for us. But what people have most of a problem with is that the very fact that Jesus was God, 100% God, 100% man. And that's when the Antichrist spirit rises up and is like, oh, no, no, he was just a really, really good man. And he was not just a really good man. He was the son of God. He is the son of God. And he died and he rose again. And now he ascended to the father and he sits at the right hand of the father. And so I want to read to you out of the Passion Translation in, uh, in uh, Luke, no, sorry, Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. And we're going to read a little bit. So children, just use your imagination, you know, to think about what, what happened here. Um, it says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem, Matthew, tw- Matthew 2, verse 1. Jesus was born in Bethlehem near Jerusalem during the reign of, reign of King Herod. Now, Herod was a crazy guy, Okay crazy dude. I mean, it's hard for us to imagine having a crazy guy as a, oh, come. Wow. After Jesus's birth, a group of spiritual priests from the East came to Jerusalem and inquired of the people, where's the child who is born king of the Jewish people. We observed his star rising in the sky and we've come to bow before him in worship. And so think about this, you know, here is the, the leader, the king, and these wise men come from a different country saying, hey, where's the newborn king, the one that's going to be king of all the people that live here in your land? And so he's a little rattled. He's like, wait, what do you mean? There's, he was already super crazy, so jealous that, you know, he almost like, well, actually, again, kids are here. But anyways, he made sure that none of his children could be kings, you know, after him. So he got rid of them. And so, uh, you know, now they, somebody comes and they're like, hey, where's the new king? You know, the newborn king that is going. To, and he's like all insecure, you know, like, what do you mean there's another king? So it says um, King Herod was shaken to the core when he heard this. And not only him, but all of Jerusalem was disturbed when they heard these news. So he called the meeting of the, Jew, of the Jewish ruling priests and religious scholars, demanding that they tell him where the promised Messiah was prophesied to, be, prophesied to be born. He will be born in Bethlehem in the land of Judah, they told him, because the prophecy states, and you little Bethlehem are not insignificant among the clans of Judah, for out of you will emerge the shepherd king of my people, Israel. Then Herod secretly summoned the spiritual priests of the east to assert, to ascertain the exact time the, first, uh, the star first appeared. And he told them, Now go to Bethlehem and carefully look there for the child. And when you've found him, report to me so that I can go and bow down and worship him too. He was lying. He just wanted to know where he was going to be so he could take him out. He wanted to take out baby Jesus. Kids, are you listening to this? He wanted to take out baby Jesus. He's like, tell me, I'll go worship him too. He had his fingers crossed behind his back. Bro. <laughs> it says, and so they left 
And on their way to Bethlehem, suddenly the same star they had seen in the east reappeared. Amazed, they watched it as it went ahead of them. This is like GPS, guys. This is like supernatural GPS. You know, I traveled in, in South America back when, you know, it's funny for me to say this, but actually, I'm older than the internet. If you think about it, that's not, you know, it would seem like it's very old. It seems like it's been here forever, but, you know, and I'm older than, than Google and the Google Maps. And um, so there was no Google Maps then. There was no GPS. There was just paper maps. And so we, we had these paper maps, and they, they did not have a blue dot on them. You did not know where you were. <laughs> That's it. And so it was kind of hard. Yeah, I was 18, and so you just... You just guessed, and then you asked, is this, is this this, is this this? No, that's that, or that's there, or you know, keep going, or you passed it. And so these guys have been traveling, Benjamin, I'm just sorry, and all the other kids, right? These guys have been traveling for a long time, you know, looking and trying to follow this. So this star was their sign. This star was their, their Siri. This star was their, you know, their GPS, and it's just fo they're following the star, and then all of a sudden, after they visit King Herod, it appears again, and they start following the star, and it says, "Amazed, they watched it as they went as it went ahead of them and stopped directly over the place where the child was." I, does anybody else think how low was this star? <laughs> right, and so it stopped right over where the child was. It says, and when they saw the star, they were so ecstatic that they shouted and celebrated with unrestrained joy. Imagine them asking, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? And then finally they were there. It said, when they came to the house and saw the young child with Mary, his mother, they were overcome. Falling to the ground at his feet, they worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure boxes full of gifts and presented him with gold, Say with me, gold, frankincense, and mirth. Now, I don't know exactly much about frankincense and mirth. You know, I've researched it before. All I know is they were expensive, but I know gold. You guys know gold? Yeah. And so it says, after they returned to their own country by another route, because God warned them in a dream not to go back to Herod. And this is the part I love. It says they opened their treasure boxes full of gifts. You know, they came all the way from where they, from their country to bring this gift. And how many of you, children and adults too, like to receive gifts? Uh, Benjamin, you don't like to receive gifts? Okay. I'll make a note of that. We love receiving gifts. It's cool. It's fun. It's like, it's a surprise. It's like, wow. Like, it feels good to receive gifts. But these guys were excited about the opposite. Now, they were very rich. You know, they, they, they were wealthy. You know, they had uh, probably an entire caravan with them and people and servants and, and camels and all this stuff. And they, and they traveled for a long time to get to Jesus and to worship him. But, um, but they were excited about giving a gift, you know. 
Now, when we're talking about gifts, because Christmas is very related to gifts, right? It's all about the gifts, and, and it could get very, oh, man, it's too much about the gifts, too much about the gifts, you know, to the point where sometimes we've, like, you know, sometimes religiously been like, all right, no more gifts, you know, too, much, too many gifts. But we got to understand, again, and I keep saying this, the purpose of tradition. And the tradition of gifts is not wrong. We just need to understand what it means and what it represents. See, first of all, you know, the Bible tells us that for God so loved the world that he... Oh, no. Good job, my boy. He's not paying attention. Finish my sentences now. He gave his one and only son, right, for us, that whoever believes in him will not die but have everlasting life. So it was about a gift, the gift of Jesus. Jesus came and gave his life for us. That's, that's his whole purpose was to redeem us, to make a way for us, and to empower us so that now through us he could live. Right? We are in him, but he is in us for the purpose of other people. He's in us for us, but he wants to live through us for others. Okay? And so Jesus comes and he's the greatest gift of all. The best gift. You know, you can have everything in life. You can have all the toys. You can have all the, you know, all the gadgets. You can have all the money and all the houses and all the cars and everything. But you don't have Jesus. You're missing out on the only gift that matters. The only gift that gives significance. The only gift that gives purpose. The only gift that leads you to your destiny. What you were created for. The only thing that will ever satisfy you in life is Jesus. The greatest gift of all. And it's a gift. Isn't that amazing? And so the whole point of a gift is like, how many times have you had to pay back for your birthday gifts? Anybody? Here's all your birthday gifts. You're like, oh, man, all right, I'll pay you back. You know, it'll take me a whole year. Like nobody ever pays. No, it's a gift, right? And that's the same with the gifts of salvation. You can't pay for it. You know, it doesn't matter whether you deserve it or not. You know, how many times parents, you know, we threat our children, threaten them with like, all right, you know, you don't get any gifts for your birthday or you're not going to get gifts for Christmas. Like, like you kind of want to, but it does, why would we say that? Because maybe they haven't behaved as best. Now, you guys are looking at me so judgy right now. But what happens? The birthday and Christmas comes and you just can't help yourself. You give them a gift. Because gifts are undeserved. And it's the same thing with Jesus. We don't deserve him. We couldn't earn him. We couldn't pay for it, you know. He's a gift that we receive by faith. You know, the, uh, the amazing thing is that God leads by example. So he gave his most precious thing, which is why we give, you know, tithes and offerings out of thankfulness, out of worship. But it's also the same thing with Christmas. If God gave, the reason why we give gifts on Christmas is because we're reflecting his generous, loving, gracious, undeserved nature of also giving gifts. I love watching my kids give gifts to each other. It is like, I think the Bible says this in Acts chapter 20, verse 35. Paul is quoting Jesus and says, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And God led with that example. 
You think about this. It is so great and so fun and so cool to receive gifts. Children, have any of you opened up any gifts for Christmas? Any early Christmas gifts? Yeah, yeah, okay, right? That's fun, right? That's really good. Like the Bible doesn't say it's not good to receive gifts. But check it out. It said it is more blessed. So it is blessed to receive gifts. But it is more blessed. In the Amplified Version it says, makes one happier and more to be envied to give than to receive. How many of you like giving gifts? You know, I think, I think we all love giving gifts. As I, could, I could probably say that there's some people who love more giving the gifts and watching people opening them than receiving the gifts. And I was watching my kids give their gifts, you know, and they're like, open it, open it, open it, open it, open it. Ah, you know, they're so excited. Sometimes the person giving gifts is more excited. And that is God. That is God's heart. He's more excited to give to us, you know, than to receive. He loves the, you know, receiving says something. But giving, giving, it takes maturity. It takes a little growth, right? When children are really, really small, you know, when our kids were real babies, they, they didn't understand giving very much. They understood receiving. Huh? But when you, under, when you grow up a little bit, <laughs> when you mature a little bit, and regardless of the age, you discover, wow, it feels better to give. It feels better to serve. It feels better to be part of the miracle. Part of the answered prayer. You know, even uh, research shows that uh, the body, the brain, releases dopamine when you give. Like, you physically feel better when you're giving than when you're receiving. And it's not about the size of the gift. It's not about anything. But it is the nature of God. So, you know, just to challenge you, if you've ever got, you know, a little bit annoyed with all the materialistic stuff. Yeah, it's not about the material. It's not about the amount of money you spend. It's not about that. It's about reflecting the heart of God and experiencing what he experiences every time he gives to us. We get to give. We get to give. We get to give. And interestingly enough, it's part of the principle he established of sowing and reaping. So he's like, the more you are like me, the more you will have to be more like me. The more you give, the more you will receive, which will cause you to have more to give. See what a beautiful cycle that is? When we start mimicking God, he he came to live in us so he can live through us. And that is through serving, that is through praying for people, that is through being carriers of hope, that is through, you know, like kids, you know, we... We want to give hope to people. And we want to make sure that, you know, oh, we're not giving somebody false hope. Well, how do I know it's not false hope? Because it's God's hope. And so we give in so many ways. But I just want us to keep that. And as I close this morning, I want us to keep that in mind. Like, you don't have to have money to, to be a giver. 
The Lord will increase you as you continue to give because that's his nature. But you don't have to have money in order to give to people. And the greatest gift of all of them is what? Is Jesus. So can we all give Jesus? Well, yes. If Jesus is in your heart and you've received hope and peace and joy in your heart that is, you know, that you have no idea where it would have come from other than him because you didn't have any before, then that's the very thing you can give. And we give in words and we give in serving and we give, you know, in, in, in praying for people and in loving people and encouraging people, encouraging one another. It says in um, Luke chapter 2, verse 14, it says, Glory to God in the highest realms of heaven, for there is peace and a good hope. Children say, Good hope. Given to the sons of men. There's good hope. And Romans 5 5 says, And this hope is not a disappointing fantasy. I know some of you were thinking about it. Well, I've hoped before, and hoping is not always good. And so you just turn more like Eeyore, and I just, you don't like to hope because hope can hurt. But here's the difference. It's when our hope is in Jesus. It says, this hope is not a disappointing fancy because we can now experience the endless love of God cascading into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Romans 5.5. 5. 